secretary was transcribing, she was transcribing one of his uh, prophetic words over somebody, and every time I was reading it, I said, this doesn't make sense. And every time he would say the word world, she was thinking he said will. Will. It was a will. <laughs> it was a will. It was a will, will tongue. And she was going to will, and it was world. I said, that's will. <laughs> so you have to listen. So that's a good thing. You have to listen. And, uh, but he's also a citizen of the United States. They moved here from South Africa, and he had a vision from the Lord. It's all in his book. It's, it's really going to be awesome. And uh, I think Mary Lou and I even have a little part in the book because he was the one that, as we were moving forward, like Mary Lou said, this building is a miracle. Well, he was a part of the process of that when he said to let the building die. And many of you have heard our story that we obeyed the word of the Lord and, and we just let the building die and, and God resurrected it. And when God resurrects something, when it's good, okay? When we try to resurrect, when we try to bring things up and raise things in our flesh, it usually is failure and it falls on top of you. But when God does it, it's a beautiful thing and it is a miracle. So uh, Ron comes to us today, just the, the word of the Lord, and, and just really... He says this many times, sometimes he doesn't, but when he gives even a word for somebody, take hold of the word, because he is really going to be prophesying on, over everybody, because when he, when he speaks, this is what God has laid on his heart to give to this particular body of believers. So y'all, welcome Ron Campbell. Well, thank you. You know, the Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You know, sometimes, too, when you get a word, prophetic word, it's like we say this, oh, well, I'm going to just put it on the shelf and let's see what happens. Now, I'll give you the scripture verse for what that is. It's the first book of imaginations. Uh, <laughs> the Bible says, well, Paul says, you fight the fight of faith with the words spoken over you. Now, for years and years and years, I've had people tell me, you need to write a book. And I've always told them, I am a book. The Bible says we are living testaments of Christ. So I said, if you want to read my book, sit down and talk to me. And I got away with that for quite a long time. <laughs> uh, a year and a half ago, I was at a Dingle conference with Bishop Garlington in, in Pittsburgh. And a prophet came up and he called me out and he said, you have a book inside of you, and you need to write the book. And I thought, ah, oh, here we go again, this book thing, this book thing. Anyway, so I had to do a mission trip to South Africa and with Joseph Garlington. He said, do me a favor, write me a sort of a synopsis of the prophetic, because when we get to South Africa, I want you to teach it. So I put this whole thing together, and I said, it was about a 50-page thing. I said it to him. He said, beautiful, lovely. So eventually... Uh, I just put that under my shelf and forgot about it. But the, um, the Holy Spirit, I did a men's conference earlier this year, and there's a writer who's a New York's bestseller writer. He's a friend of mine. He came up and he said, well, I've been paid to write a book for two years, but they told me not to do anything. So I'm paid for two years, but I've got nothing to do. How about I write your book? I said, let go of the book thing, man. I don't want to write a book. I don't want to market stuff. It just like, makes me feel embarrassed. He said, listen. I'm offering you the opportunity to write your book. I said, well, I don't know. He said, go home and look through all your tapes and that and see what you can transcribe. The thought of transcribing 600 tapes. I stood in front of them and I thought, you know what? Forget it. So I went and sat in my office, really kind of despondent. And under my desk, I found this folder, opened it up, 
and there was all the notes. And God had used the mission trip for me to prepare the notes for it. So I called him, he came over, he said, okay, this is it, let's start. And we've done 10 chapters, I'm working on the 11th, and I've got one more chapter to do and be done. So that's the book. So even I am subject to the prophetic word. You know, I sow a lot of prophetic words, but sometimes, you know, you also have to obey and be obedient to the word of the Lord spoken over you. So um, that's just for free. (laughs) Father, I thank you for the anointing. Father, I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying today to the community. Thank you, Lord, that you have us in these times in America where everything seems so soiled. But, Father, I know that you have us here as a perfect, clean, white sheet of your presence. And I thank you, Lord, that we carry within us the solutions to the problems within our culture. And you're not surprised by what's going on in the world, Lord, because you said it's going to come. There'll be rumors of wars. They'll be speaking peace, but there'll be rumors of wars. There'll be violence. There'll be all these kind of things. And I thank you, Lord, that we are here at this time that we can make a difference. I ask you, Lord, today to bind the mind of the saints to the mind of Christ and everything that would contradict your will and word for their lives would bow its knee in Jesus' name. Amen. So God's been speaking to me about this concept called the higher form of seeing. Now, you know, we have natural sight, right? And we drive down the highway and we see the billboards and, you know, we watch TV and we see the garbage. You know, it's like putting a TV on your house like having a garbage disposal everybody's opinions, everybody's rubbish that comes out of their mouth, pours across your ears and comes into your eyes. And before you know where you are, you find yourself in this realm where you're concerned about the future, you're concerned about the outcome, education, schooling, and everything because the media has so captivated us, so drawn us in that we, we actually start believing things. And this is what they say. They say that for you to believe something, you need to hear it 28 times. Now, I've sat at TV one night just for fun measuring, and I watched the adverts. And within the space of five hours, they put the same adverts on 40 times. Now, I can understand how you can program a culture. You can program a nation or a people group by just doing that stuff. Because we have eye gates and ear gates. We see and we hear. And we take this stuff into our creative subconscious mind. Even though we look at it and we think, well, it doesn't affect me. No, it goes in, back into the history of your mind. Because don't forget, your mind is like a computer. It has the ability to move multiple different forms of stimuli at the same time. Am I right? Okay. So by the time you've sat down and watched one session of something, you've probably been programmed. And so then you wonder why when you get up off your sofa and you feel like you need to go and pray, or you want to go and pray, but you don't feel the need to go and pray because you're so, you're so paralyzed by this rubbish. Am I right? Or is that just me? And so the bottom line is, then you ask yourself why the church is not prepared. Why we're so overwhelmed with what goes in the culture. It's because we are basing everything we see on the natural reality of what we're seeing rather versus the spiritual reality of what we should be seeing. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Well, what is there that we are not seeing that we should be seeing? So when I talk to you about a higher form of seeing, I want you to understand I'm not talking about the natural. I'm talking about the supernatural. I'm talking about up there. Because everything that is here is not necessarily perfect. But everything that is up there has the possibility of being perfect. We have, the Bible says this, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there gun violence in heaven? Is there uh, transgender problems in heaven? I mean, you go to heaven in the toilets. Are there male, female stickers? Um, You know what I'm saying? All those things are natural problems. And the heavens supersede those problems. And we are the ambassadors of heaven on this earth. We carry within us the kingdom of God, the fullness of the power of the Spirit of the Lord in us. We can stand together and we can transform our culture. We can come into agreement. One puts a thousand to flight, two puts ten thousand to flight. But the problem is we've been so coerced by the culture and by the medium of the culture that has transversed us and changed us from who we should be in Christ, renewed in mind, and the the enemy has corrupted our minds. Every time we have an election cycle, it's the biggest load of judgment, criticism, and garbage poured out the mouths of these people that we are electing to run and represent us. They don't represent me. The rubbish they speak does not represent me. I don't need a president or a congressman or senator. I have a king. And you know what? Like Daniel. Daniel was in Babylon. In the worst time in culture in Babylon. Most despicable things took place. But Daniel didn't enter into the media game. He didn't go on the internet, Google stuff and do that sort of stuff. I know there wasn't internet then, but I'm just saying. He didn't involve himself in the culture. What he did is he actually withdrew from the culture, opened the window portal and presented himself to God and got himself in a place where his communication and his information came from the Spirit of God. And when the day came that Nebuchadnezzar needed someone to answer a dream, the only one who could was Daniel. The only man in a whole nation. Why? Because he did not sit at mixed tables. He sat at the table of the Lord. And that's what we do is we sit at mixed tables in this culture. We deliberate and discuss all stuff. Some of the stuff is profane. It's rubbish. It's nonsense. And that's my soapbox. But do you agree with me? Or am I, am I deceived? Do you agree? I mean, seriously. Do you think this system of politics is going to fix our nation? Yeah, but the funny thing is we put so much effort and energy and time and money, millions and millions and millions of dollars into electing corrupt people. <laughs> There's something seriously wrong. What has happened to us? We have become deceived. Yes, I'm not being funny. I'm just, I'm just sharing my heart, okay? If you get offended, forgive me. But here's what I say. God sends a prophet in to test the foundation of something. And when the prophet has a sound, he hits the foundation... And when the foundation manifests, it normally manifests whether it's weak or strong. Civil engineers will tell you the way to test the foundation is hit it with sound. When a prophet comes into the church and he speaks something, he does it because he wants to see what's inside the foundation of the church. So if you suddenly start feeling awkward and start feeling weird, it's not me. (laughs) Okay? Don't project your stuff on me. It's yours. (laughs) I'm just telling you that in love, okay? I'm just trying to be kind to you, but it's true. Because I've had guys flip out. I had a guy the other day flip out. What are you trying to say? 
I'm, so, I'm, I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just trying to see what's inside of you. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And what's in your heart will come out of your mouth. And the only way to get it to come out of your mouth is to put your finger in somebody's eye. <laughs> just something for free. The Bible says that no one knows the mind of man in the book of Corinthians like the Spirit of God. Okay, so, so what it's really saying is the only one really who knows what you're thinking in this whole universe is the Holy Spirit. So that says, if that's true, that says the devil cannot read your mind. Am I right? But how the devil gets to read your mind is this. He says, brother, bucket mouth and sister sandpaper to you. And he gets them to step on your toes or say something to you. And out of your mouth comes what you feel and think. And then he knows where you are. Right? The principal power of confession. Like I, I, I meet with this. I'm getting to the word now, but I want to share with you some principles. I meet with the CEO of this company. He said to me, I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed. Well, if you continue to say that you're stressed, what are you going to get? I said, now... How do you expect to be happy and peaceful when you're continuing to declare stress? So I don't really know. So, well, you're going to have to change the verbiage. Well, what verbiage is there to replace stress? Stress is stress is stress. How about changing the dynamics of what you're seeing from stress to joy? Well, it's not a joy. I said, that's the problem. You need to make it joyful. So I said, well, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? I said, I want you to say this. Every time you feel stressed, just say, I feel joyful. But that's not true. No, it is true. Stress is a lie. Joy is a reality. Come on. Life and death and the power of the tongue. I said, yeah, you may feel stressed right now, but if you continue declaring joy and joyfulness, you'll start finding that your atmosphere will change. Why? Because we have life and death in the power of the tongue. Later on that day, she could guess what? What? I feel joyful. I said, you've been serious. She said, I really feel joyful. How about that? <laughs> See, the devil can't read your mind. But he waits to what comes out of your mouth. So if you say, I'm stressed, I'm stressed, he's going to load on more stress. Things will go wrong. Refrigerator will break. The car will break. This will happen. The family. You know, he'll just oh, hey, listen, they're under pressure. Let's put some more on them. But if you declare joyfulness, he says, you know what? It's not working. So we may as well stop. The Bible says if you resist the devil, he will flee. All right, that's for free. That's our Sunday school lesson for today. So talking about the higher form of seeing. In Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 3. If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In this case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For, we, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, with ourselves as servants of Jesus Christ. For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The God of this world has blinded our understanding. How does that happen? Well, when we are born, we are born into the sinful world, and we are born as sinners into the sinful world. So we take on the nature of the world. When you are born again and you're redeemed in Christ, you go through the water of baptism, you die. Your old man passes away. The, the baptism represents the death and resurrection. 
You come out of the water baptism, the Bible says you're a new creation in Christ. All things are passed away, but all things are new. That's Bible, right? Isn't it? Okay, stay with me. Don't, don't lose me. Don't lose me. Stay with me. Don't let the enemy cause interruption to come and stop you from hearing what I'm saying. So here's what I'm saying. So when you are renewed in that place, okay, so physically your spirit is rejuvenated, renewed. Now you have to work it through the process into your, 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 your mind and your soul, your conscience, the spirit, soul, and conscience. You have to work through those areas and get those areas redeemed. So sometimes you may be saved here, but you may still have some things in your flesh that still don't match here. That doesn't mean anything. Because the Spirit eventually will lead you and guide you into restoring those things that are out of sync. Especially if you submit yourself to God. God will show you how to overcome the flesh. Because Jesus said, I have overcome the flesh. So why am I talking about a higher form of sin? People, listen. Don't look at this current reality that you're in. But start pushing towards the reality that God, through Christ, has created for you beforehand. Let me show you what I'm saying. This is what I tell people. What you say will reveal what you see. You know, I was talking with a guy one day. He said, oh, you know what? Um, my business is really bad, and I'm, I don't think I'm going to make it. I think my business is going to close down, and blah, blah, blah. And so out of his mouth was coming what he was seeing. He was seeing deprecation. He was seeing debt. He was seeing bankruptcy. He was seeing all these things. So I said, well, what is the solution to your problem? I don't know what the solution is. I said, I'll tell you what the solution is. Do you want to know? Yes, I would like to know. You need to change your stinking thinking. <laughs> well, that's offensive. No, it's true. That's true because the bottom line, that's what you're seeing. You're seeing bankruptcy. I want to tell you what the Lord is seeing. Do you know what the Lord is seeing? The Lord is seeing opportunities coming for you that you never dreamed were possible. But because you got your head in the garbage pail, you can't see what God has for you. Because you're looking at the destruction and the deception, you're not looking at the solution that God has for you. What is prepared for you beforehand in Christ. Out of darkness comes light. So he said, well, how am I going to change my business around? I said, you first need to change your mind and you need to change what you see. What is it that God has put inside of you? What is it that is inside of you? Because what's inside of you has a natural capacity to grow in the light of God. And you can declare the word and start speaking. And you can walk in it. Before you know where you are, you'll be walking in the things of God. And all things will pass away. All things will die. I said, you might need to just hit the rug and go and pray. And find out from God who you are. Because once you know who you are, the battle for you will end. He said, well, can't you tell me? No, I'm not going to tell you. Because the bottom line is you need to go and discover it. Because once you discover it and you know it for yourself, you'll overcome it. Two weeks went by, called me, said, I, I have got it. And by this time, his business was even worse. I said, well, what is it? He said, God has called me to be a man that has wealth and would finance and support uh, uh, mothers that are going through abuse with their children. I said, okay, do you know how much you're going to need? He said, I'm going to need a lot of money. So you said, you're going to need a lot of faith, right? He said, yes. I said, okay. Now, the truth is faith comes from hearing. You need to start speaking. Man, it wasn't even two weeks later. He, he engaged a massive contract that overnight turned the dynamics of his business from being totally bankrupt 
to being debt-free and having enough money to buy an apartment complex, to build security fences around it, to build out all the units and to be able to house mothers and children that are going through abuse. So what you say will reveal what you see. If you want to change what you see, you need to start changing what you say. Okay, so let's give you a scriptural reference. Now, Jesus came, in, uh, that's in Matthew 16. Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, and one, one of the prophets. Now, isn't it amazing? Jesus was asking him a question about what they say. Have you heard that saying, they say? You know, they say this, they say that, they say this. They, have you ever heard that? They say. That's an opinion. You don't want to traffic your life on the opinions of men. I don't go and ask people what they think because I don't want to have to hear what they say. And that's what it is. Well, some say you're Elijah. Because what was he demonstrating? Well, he was demonstrating the anointing of Elijah. He was prophesying and walking like Jeremiah. He was walking in the power of John the Baptist. But because those guys only had the vision of those things, that's all they could see about him. They couldn't see the fullness of who he really was as the Christ, right? But then he turns the question around to Peter and he says, But who do you say I am? And Peter says, Simon Peter replied and he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And then he speaks to him about being Peter, and he says that he's going to be the rock, and upon this rock he'll build the church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So he has it. From a principal revelation from God to Peter, he recognized the Christ. So his vision was immediately changed, that he could see the Messiah. Because don't forget, the, the Messiah was blinded to the Jews, right? Am I right? But he could see because of a revelation, he could see this was the Messiah. When he recognized him as the Messiah, Jesus did this. He said, and you are no longer Simon. You are now Petros, Peter. And upon this rock of revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not. So immediately there was a name change. Why? Because Jesus saw in Peter what Peter never saw in himself. Jesus saw that Peter would be one of the apostles one day that would take the gospel to the Jews. And he spoke it in a hidden term, in a hidden meaning. What am I saying to you as a church? People, listen. Don't come to church every Sunday for a religious experience. Come for a revelation. Come for something that will trigger your seeing capacity. Your ability to see above the dross of this world. To see the complexities of the thing the Spirit of God has built into you through the actions and life of Christ being crucified. So that when He was crucified and He died, everything in the kingdom was put inside of you and I. Everything. Okay? It's not like Microsoft Windows where you get the computer with the Windows and then you've got to upgrade it every five minutes to get the latest upgrade. You have the complete full download of the kingdom by the Holy Spirit the seed of God is inside of you. Everything is there. The ability to walk in the nature and stature and image of Christ is in you. Now, you don't hear this in churches because people don't want you to find independence in the kingdom. They want you to still come into the control mechanisms of what other men think, of what they say. 
They want you to be under that. They want to control you. Why? It's because the bottom line is and it makes them comfortable. Listen, man, the church, the architect of the church, Jesus Christ, when he rose from the dead, he gave gifts to all men in the book of Ephesians. Pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor. And he said that would be the foundation of the church. The apostles and prophets were on what the foundation and the power of the church is built on. But somewhere along the line, theologians decided, well, they passed away. Here's my question. How come did only two pass away and the other three remained? Why did only apostles and prophets pass away? Why is it pastor, teacher, and evangelists are still there? So they changed the foundation of the church from being built on apostles and prophets to being built on pastors and teachers. And then you can ask yourself the question, why is the church powerless? Because we, through our theology and through our so forth, we have changed the foundation of the church. And that's why the people labor under the strength of what's going on in the culture rather than being filled with the power of the kingdom. It is our job as ministers of the gospel to preach the truth and tell you the truth and give you a revelation of Christ so you can see what God has purposed and planned for your life. You are not off scouring the earth. You are sent from heaven. You are God's gift to culture and to the church. You carry within you profound destiny. You're not meant to die and, and be treated like a dog. You are a royalty. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Come on, people. I know I'm passionate. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. But the devil tried to take my life multiple times. And I'm, I'm angry at the enemy for what he's doing to the church. Why? It's because there are people dying and going to hell at the day. And we are so distracted. We can't even pay attention to that. Because we have not become matured enough to go and help them. Drugs are taking over our culture. Why? It's because people are in pain. And the only way to stop the pain is to dull the pain by drugs. Right? Right, I'm not rebuking you. I'm just, I'm just hot. I'm just sharing. <laughs> I mean, come on. What are you seeing? Are you, what do you see about yourself? When you look at yourself in the mirror, do you, see, do you see what God has put inside of you? Let me tell you, my whole life, from the day I was born, I've been fighting for survival. From the day I was born, my father took me away from my mother. They put me in the servants' quarters. Where the, where the servants were given a bowl of uh, maize meal, which is like your grits to cook. There wasn't even enough maize meal for me to eat. I had to go in the streets and dig through garbage tins to find food. And I lived in my father's house as a servant. Right? And it made me angry and violent and wild. So when I was 15, they put me in the military because that's the only way to calm me down and control me because the bottom line is I got into trouble all the time. I blew things up. I set fire to things. I killed things. I was crazy. But the military trained me. And yet when I was in the military, even though I was in the military, I was outside the military. I was in a special unit that didn't survive inside a uniform and a, a military setting. I was in the special forces and did things in countries and places where uh, the country and government would send me to take vengeance on situations. So I lived outside. Then I get saved and come to the church and I find myself outside the church again. My whole life I've been trained to be outside of the organization. Why? It's because God sends prophets into the organization that have a history and have a message that can transform and change and shake the foundation of the religious garbage that's been built into the church. Why? It's because we have no fear of man. 
When Jesus came in, he had no fear of those men. They could do nothing to him. He had power and authority from on high. They tried to throw him off a mountain. He just pushed his way through them. Not my time. Off I go. Even when they came to take him and they said, are you the Christ? He said, I am. Guess what happened? They all fell over. (laughs) If he wanted to, he could have called a gazillion angels and just, I mean, just destroyed the whole thing. But he chose not to. And so you go through these things in your life that teach you submission, teach you how to submit yourself to the will and the plan of God. Yes, it's painful, but you pay a price. All the disciples that became apostles all lost their lives. They sacrificed, they gave themselves for the church. They died in horrible situations. But God understands the concept that the blood shall cry out. I'm probably getting too heavy now, aren't I? What are you seeing? Are you seeing this political wrangling as the solution to the problems for our culture? Every four years we get a plethora of promises. I'm not telling you not to vote. I'm not telling you that. I'm just saying to you, hey man, we have a king. And he wasn't elected. He was given the kingdom by the Father. And guess what? He came and gave it to us. And then he went back to the Father and said, Father, now you take care of them. And the Father sent the Holy Spirit. Now we have somebody to lead us, guide us, teach us, and direct us on a daily basis. Now we have dominion and authority. and We can walk into a situation. We can transform a situation. I mean, that's who we are. But it all goes on what you see. If you still think you're a worm, then you'll be a worm. All a worm does is crawl up a branch and eat a leaf. But if you see yourself as one that's gone through a metamorphosis from a a sinful person to somebody that's not a worm anymore, but now you've gone through a cocoon process, you've died, you've become a a butterfly, now you can fly above the paddock, you can see, you can populate, you can populate and pollinate things around you. You can fill things. I tell people, people say, well, what what are you? I said, I'm a bee. What? What do you mean? I pollinate the things that God's doing by speaking the word of God to it. Why they tell me they don't believe in prophets, then I'll be a bee. Because they can't say bees don't exist because they do. So all I'm going to be is be the bee. Just go and pollinate. Speak. How do we pollinate? We give them the honey of the word. Come on, people. You know, there's so many phenomenal things that we are not seeing. The Bible says that God hides the matters from a king, but it takes the kings to seek it out. There are things that you probably need to know about your life, about your family, about your business, about the things you're called to, that you're not seeing because you haven't even thought about looking at it a different way. You haven't thought of looking at things in a different perspective. You haven't thought of pursuing God to see what he says about it. I had a guy one day say to me, would you pray for my business to be blessed? No. Why not? Because if you get blessed in what you're doing, you're just going to go on and buy yourself another Porsche. (laughs) He said, how do you know that? I said, because I know by what's coming in your mouth, I know what's in your heart. Well, how would you pray for me? I said, I will pray that God takes you to what he's blessing. 
He said, well, I don't ever want that. Exactly. Because if you want God to take you from what you're doing to what He's blessing, it probably means you're going to lose what you're doing. <laughs> so he didn't, he didn't want me to pray for him anymore. <laughs> it's because he couldn't see. You know? And the blind man, when Jesus prayed for him, he said, I see a faint moving of trees. Prayed for him again, he got to see. Here's what I'm saying. We need to see clearly, people, in this day and age. There are so many philosophies and things out there that are a contradiction to the kingdom. You know, there's so many false Christs out there. There's so many false redemptive things out there. We need wisdom from God, how to navigate. I believe that as a culture, this, is, this generation has come by a more avalanche from the enemy than any, any culture in previous history. Because of the medium, the way medium is working, the way media is working. Like I was telling the earlier service, I was in San Angelo watching my daughter, helping her move, and all these kids are standing on the corner, about 20, 30 of them doing this. What's they doing? She said, oh, they're doing Pokemon Go. <laughs> I said, what's that? She said, that's oh, an app where they find Pokemon. I said, so what's the benefit? Well, at least Dad gets them out and walking. Okay, I can see that. But your kids are like this, and people are dying and going to hell. Yeah? Uh, we, we get our NFL things, our, what's it called, that NFL fantasy football. Guys spend hours on it with the hope of maybe winning some money. But people are dying and going to hell. We get on the March Madness thing and we're just watching the basketball. And I'm, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying, we get in this cultural stuff and in the meantime, people aren't hearing the message of Christ. Because the church expects them to go to the building to hear God. But we don't train the people to be the messengers. We don't teach them to go out there and be an ambassador of Christ. I told you before, every time I go to Starbucks, I'm in my church. I'm waiting for the Lord. I'm looking for people who I can prophesy to. Especially people that don't know Jesus. Why? Because Corinthians says, when they come into the church and they hear somebody speaking in tongues, they hear a babbling fool. But when someone's prophesying, their hearts are laid bare. And they fall on their face and repent and give their lives to Christ. We need to become a prophetic generation. We need to become voices, oracles of the Lord in every environment. And you know, we want as Christians, we want to take over the world. I don't want to take over the world. I just want to be able to possess the gift that God's given me and touch everybody. I want them to take the world. I don't want to take the world. I don't, it's too much business for me. I'm not interested. I just want to take what's in my dominion that day. We as Christians want to take over the world and rule the world. You've got the Muslims on this side who want to rule the world. Then you've got us on this side who want to rule. You wonder why we're at war. <laughs> hey, man, listen. I was trained as a sniper, special forces, Navy SEAL. I was trained to infiltrate an area, get in, take position, and wait patiently for my target. And when it came... One shot, one kill, and exfiltrate. Never got caught. I'm still here today. See, I want you to start learning to be a sniper in Christ. Now, I'm not talking to you about shooting people. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but being out there infiltrating the world and finding out what God has for you so that that one person, whoever they are, that you have something for them and you empower them and then you're gone. 
Because you may influence one person that may be able to influence 10,000. That's all you want. You want your fingerprint on that. Because at the end of the day, when you get to heaven and, and the Lord says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and you see this host of people behind you and wonder, who are these? These are the people that you touched. Come on. That's how the kingdom works. That's what you carry. Have you ever gone on an airplane before and somebody's coughing and hacking in the back of the plane? And before you get off the plane, you... <coughs> you Why? It's because you caught it. That's what we are. We are like a flu epidemic. We carry within us the seeds of the kingdom, which activated, acts like flu on people. It might make them sick, but the bottom line is it'll heal them. It'll set them free. It's, it's transmitted. The kingdom is transmitted. You carry it. You all carry it. If you don't believe you're a carrier, we can actually introduce you to Christ right now if you need. So I want to ask you to consider in this next week. You know, it's wonderful to prophesy over people. You know, I'm tired of prophesying over people and seeing nothing happen. Because people say, well, I don't know what to do with the word. What? The Bible says rightly divide the word in truth. Speak it over yourself. Declare it to yourself. There's so many things you can do once you have the word. You know what I mean? Grab hold of it. Come to agreement. It's the word from God. Come to agreement. God says that he'll cause none of his prophet's words to fail. So whatever it is, if it doesn't happen, it may be timing. It may be God's waiting for a situation. Sometimes God speaks a thing and it delays because God's waiting for the other side to, to fulfill itself. You know, that's why Jesus' mother and John the Baptist's mother got together. So there's a leaping in the womb. Why? So there can be a synchronization in time. If that wasn't synchronized, they may have come at the wrong time. One may have come premature and one may have come late. Who knows? I don't know. But there's a leaping in the womb. There has to be that. A confirmation of the word. There has to be that. You have to start seeing something different, people. If you're expecting a different outcome, you have to start seeing something different and you have to start saying something different. I know this is not nice, but it's the, it's the bottom honest truth. This is not pretty, but it's the truth. You have to hear a clear sound. And what you've heard from me this morning is not a garbled sound, even though my accent's different. It's a clear sound. You cannot walk out that door and say, ah, I don't know what he meant. Because <laughs> I, was, I was right up in your Kool-Aid. <laughs> the times are getting desperate. In desperate times, people take desperate measures. It's time for you to take a desperate measure in your life. It's time for you to really do business with God and find out what God has purposed you for. Because let me tell you, I believe God is getting ready to do His greatest outpouring ever. You know, I said this morning to people, I said this to them. I said, God normally exposes or unmasks or uncovers things before He imparts. All this garbage that's going on in the world, this this bombings and all that, all stuff that happens because God is allowing it to be exposed because it's hidden. So it can come out. So that those who are ready and prepared to receive can receive the impartation of what he's going to do. Because there's a second wave of God's anointing coming to the world. And you know, if we don't be careful, we'll miss it, like the Jews missed the coming of Christ. Because we cannot see. They were blinded, remember? Remember, they were blinded. We need to pay attention that we don't become blinded to what is going on within the kingdom. This is not a battle about gender. 
This is not a battle about male or female. This is not a battle about any of that stuff. This is not a battle about that. The battle here is the truth. Is those who are called by the name of the Lord are hearing and paying attention to the Spirit of God, knowing the seasons and times like the sons of Issachar. We need to know the timing of the Lord. Only way you're going to know is if you see. Elisha had a servant called Gehazi. Gehazi went outside the tent one day, and the army, the Syrian army, was massed around him, and he was panicking. He came back to Elisha, and he said, we are surrounded by a Syrian army. And Elisha smiled and said, those who are for us, they are more for us than those who are against us. And he prayed for his servant. He said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And he went out and he saw the army of the Lord encamped round about the Syrian army. That's what I'm talking about. I don't care about the enemy and the weapons he has. Because there is more for me than those against me. And when I look, there's a host of heaven that stands with me. There are 24 elders that daily declare, holy, holy. There are angels, there are ambushments. We have a plethora who stand with us, watching us, how we perform in this world. Make sure that your performance is kingdom. I'm, st- I'm going to stop railing on you right now. <laughs> but I'm not railing on you. You've got to hear in my heart. What's in my heart is the prophet. I mean, there's, like Jeremiah says, fire shot up in my bones. It's like I can't get rid of this feeling. And this pain within me is about, oh my God, church, wake up. People, wake up. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. The time is now. It's now. Don't be distracted by the politics, by the screaming and the shouting and ranting and raving. It's all just a cloud. It's just a smoke and mirror thing. Be moved by what the Spirit of God's doing. God will get the leader for America that America needs. Not that she wants, that she needs. Probably to bring her to repentance. <laughs> I love you. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be as gentle and kind as possible without being disrespectful. Don't forget, this is my nation too. God brought me here. I'm just as concerned about our future. But I'm excited about our future in God. And listen, we are sojourners passing through this land. And if something goes wrong, the Holy Spirit's obligation is to make sure that we are taken care of. He says that. He said, I shall provide your needs according to my riches in glory. Okay? If he fed Jesus with angels, hallelujah. I'm into some of that angel food, angel cake. (laughs) Yeah. As long as you don't bake it in the dung oven, I'm good. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray today for the saints. I pray, Father, that there will be eye surgery done on the eyes of the spirit of the saints. That they would recognize the signs of the times and they would recognize the comings and goings of the spirit of God in the temple of the Lord. They would know your movement, Lord. They would know your heart, your desire, your purpose, your outpouring, your gifting, your grace. They would experience you. They would hear you. They would know you. Lord, you've said in your word, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Father, I pray today that the sound that they have heard today has been the sound of the Father's voice. That, Father, they would not hear another voice, but they would only hear your voice. That you would tune their ears to hear what the Spirit is saying at this time. 
Lord, I pray for the revival of the second wave of your spirit to come. I pray, Father, that it will come through worship. I pray, Father, it will come through millennials. It will come with the older generation. Father, they will get up out of their wheelchairs and they will dance. And they will leave their walkers and their canes behind. And they will get baptized in the spirit. And they will start dancing in the presence of the Lord. Father, they'll bring their giftings and they'll place them at the foot of the Lord. I thank you, Lord, that those things that happened in Acts will happen again today, Father. That we, we, we desire, Father, a movement like there was in the book of Acts, where the church grew in one day by 3,000. That we desire the fire of the Spirit of God to come. And, Father, to burn away the dross so we could see clearly that that the God has purposed for our people and our children. Lord, that our children would walk in the destined heritage of God. They would not turn to the left or to the right. They would not back out because things got hot. They would press in, Father, like the three men in the oven. As they pressed in, Father, there was a fourth man that was in the oven. I thank you, Lord, that the fourth man today walks with us. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to shut the mouth of the lion like you did for Daniel. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to give us the ability to interpret dreams of kings and rulers of nations, Father. That we, the church, that looks feeble, are going to rise up in your most holy faith, in the most holy power. And, Father, we're going to speak to things in this culture that are going to change. Father, we're going to speak to the abuse of children. We're going to speak to sexual trafficking. We're going to speak to these things where there's been abuses in households, Lord. Even to the laws that have not worked in this country correctly. To deal with the problem, Father. We want to release our nation from being a prison nation. We want our people not to be imprisoned, Father. But we want to be them set free by the Spirit of God. We want an anointing of deliverance to come to this nation. Father, to hit the hearts of the leaders and the kings and the rulers. Father, we want you to bring judgment against the system of media in this country culture, Lord, that has been critical in judging, stood in the seat of judgment against people and violated people and uncovered their nakedness. I pray in Jesus' name that the word of the Lord would come to America in a powerful, finite way, Lord, in a way that we have never seen before. Father, that you would shake the tectonic plates of this nation, that you'd shake the banking system and the corruption and the greed, Lord, that is happening in the medical industry. I pray in Jesus' name right now for the power of the Spirit to be moved upon the saints, that we can come together in one mind, one spirit, one heart, and we can worship you, Lord, as your sons and daughters. And as we do, Father, we raise the presence of God in this nation, that the image of the enemy would fall in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I would normally prophesy to individuals, but I feel this is above just the individual thing. Hear my heart, people. Listen, man. Hear my heart. There are so many false prophets out there at the moment. One says this guy's going to be ruler. One says this guy's going to be king. And they're all wrong. Listen, man. I'm coming out of the pure heart before you as a people. Just saying, I beg you in Jesus' name to start sowing into something that's real. So start empowering and pouring your your, 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 your abilities, your capabilities, your resources, your finance into something that's real, where the love of God flows, where people can come in and experience the river of God and be set free, where miracles happen, where men and women walk out transformed. Don't sow your resources into dead religion. Because you sow your money into death, you reap death. Sow your money into something that's living. Sow your resources, your energy, effort, time, your prayer into something that's alive. In Jesus' name, please, people, hear the heart cry of the Lord. I'm telling you, listen to me. We need to do something drastic in this nation. And it does, you know, protesting and bombing, and that's just not going to help. You know what's going to help? When we hit our knees as a people, 
And we beg for the presence of the Lord to come back to our nation. We beg for the presence of the Lord to walk back in the halls of Congress. You know, when I worshipped and served in Congress from 94 to 2002, I went to every single congressman and senator. I prophesied to everyone. I went to the State Department. I prophesied to General Reno. I prophesied to Marilyn Albright. I went to prophesy to the Joint Chiefs. I went to the Pentagon, prophesied to those guys. I went to the Clinton White House and the Bush White House and prophesied. I went to the Justice Supreme Court and prophesied. And I was laughed at and I was scorned and I was spat at and I was cursed and I was threatened to be deported. I was threatened to be thrown away. But you know what? I still did it. We need God to raise our voices in our Senate to stand against the vile that is being proposed for our culture. We need voices to be raised up in the church prophetically that can speak the word of the Lord, that can get beyond the instruments and start prophesying and not play this cookie-cutter music, but play music that comes from heaven. Play a sound that comes from heaven. Because let me sound you, there is a sound in heaven, and that sound is coming to earth. These are desperate times. We cannot continue to have racial violence in a nation that's been liberated from racism. We cannot continue to have it. It's, let me tell you, Jesus said, we're not bond nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female. We're a new creation in Christ. And that changes everything. You know, you cut your veins, your blood is red. If a black brother cuts his veins, his blood is Red, same color, blood. Everything inside is the same. We need God to break the power of prejudice of our culture. It is causing us to become bankrupt. It is causing us to become violations, violators of the innocent. And you know what God did to Israel when they violated the, 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 the foreigners, the aliens, and the innocent, and the poor? God put them in captivity. 400 years. Come on, people. I want to ask you if there's any of you that want to have improved vision, not just your natural, I'm talking about spiritual vision, to see what God is doing for you, with you, to you, through you, and by you, and what God wants you to do. If you want to have improved spiritual vision, I just want you to stand. Just put your hand on your heart with me. Lord, as a body today, we've asked you to bring your anointing. And Father, I pray that in the process of bringing your anointing, that you would remove from us blindness of the Spirit. Lord God, I beg in Jesus' name. And I'm a son, I don't need to beg, but I beg for these people that you would give them eyes to see above the natural that they would have supernatural insight, they have dreams and visions. And Father, you'd open directions and purposes in business and purposes in ministry for them, that they would see why you created them. They would know, Father, without a shadow of a doubt, what their name is that's on the white stone. They would walk, Father, in such a power of integrity of the Word and the Spirit. And Lord, that their children and their children's children will still walk under that integrity because of their walk. I pray that you open their eyes to see, Father God, the mercy and the grace that you've given them. So they can give that mercy and grace to others. That they can sow the love 
that you had when you hung on the cross for us because it was love that drove you to the cross. Give them a vision, a revelation of your love, that you empower them, that you break off every single form of distraction, every single form of propaganda, every single form of mental coercion that's coerced the minds of the saints to start thinking like the world. Father, help us in Jesus' name to see what the Spirit is saying and doing. Fill us today with integrity. Father, that when we go and tell people, we tell them that we are Christ-like. And Father, they will experience power from us. Give us the ability to point out who the people are we need to speak to and minister to. And let us pray with power and integrity and authority that the the, the, the lame would walk and the blind would see and the captives would be set free. Isaiah 9, uh, 61, Lord, that that would come upon us, the church, that we would walk in that power. I thank you, Jesus, today that this is the hour, this is the time for the saints to see more clearly than ever before. I ask you, Lord, that you would do eye surgery on our spiritual eyes and give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And give us the tongue to confess and declare the things that you're doing. Let us be bold, Lord. Let us not be afraid of ramifications and what the world may think. But let us be filled and enthused with power. Thank you for the church today that is hungry for your presence. Thank you, Father, that we want to have the baptism of fire. We want to have the baptism, the river of God flow in our midst. That, Father, we want to experience angelic visitation where angels will bring limbs and joints and healings to people. And, Father, even messengers that would come would declare the purposes of God. That men and women, some of them would walk away from their destiny they're doing now to follow your destiny, Lord. I'm asking in Jesus' name that you would rise up within this city and within this place. Men and women that hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that the hungry and the dying and the sick and the lame and the frustrated would come here to drink a drink of water from your presence. These people that carry your anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Amen. Beautiful. Just remain standing. Can we have our ministry team come quickly as Ron would say? Come quickly. Ministry team to the front. We want to give a two-fold invitation this morning. Merely just feel like there's somebody, more than one possibly, that really this is their day to give their life to Jesus Christ. And if that's you, if the Holy Spirit's been tugging at your heart this morning, don't say no. Say yes to Jesus today. And the best way to do that is to step out and come and come to one of these ministers at the front and let them pray with you to, re- to receive Christ. Let them explain any questions you might have. They will take you to a side room. And they, they won't, you won't be embarrassed in the front. You will be taken and ministered to in one of the rooms to the side. And we want to pray with you. Okay, so that's the first. The second part of the invitation is to sow into life. We're inviting you to sow into the kingdom by sowing into Ron's ministry. And, and we're, we're thankful for him. But we want to see this book come to reality. We really do because we know what it's going to do in the kingdom. So as God would direct you, as the Holy Spirit would direct you to give, we also invite you to come and to uh, bring your offerings this morning uh, to s- make your checks to Freedom Fellowship and put the memo, Ron, Ron Campbell. Uh, or you can make your checks to Sound the Trumpet Ministries directly to them. You can also go on his website and become a monthly contributor. But Mary Lou and I have been doing that for years, as many as you have. And also, as you sow into this church body, you're also sowing into his ministry. We believe in what God's doing. 
So this morning, let's just bow your heads real quick. I know it's running late, but this is important. It's very important. So, Lord, right now, for those that you're tugging on their heart, may this be the day that they have, their eyes have actually see, that they see spiritually today their condition, that they're lost and they need you. And today would be the day they also see that you're the only answer, that they would come to you. They would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, Father, bless us to give. Give abundantly. Give from our heart to sow into life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So you step out and come if you need prayer for salvation. Step out and come as you would bring your offerings and, and sow into life this morning.